Holly G with the Golf Insiders. We wrapped up the Florida Swing on Sunday with another first-time winner on the PGA Tour, banking $1.4 million. And uh, I think he was uh, probably more excited that he, he got that big win. Taylor Moore winning the fourth leg of the Florida Swing at Copperhead in Innisbrook, and he was there and to break it all down for us today. Bob Herrick from SI.com. Hey, Bob. Hey there. How are you? Great finish. Uh, back nine thriller that had Taylor Moore against Jordan Spieth, Tommy Fleetwood, Webb Simpson, Adam Shank looking for his first time win, and then <laughs> nobody seemed to want to win it, Bob. The golf gods Really, uh, we're playing havoc down those last few holes to the victory circle. Yeah, they really were. I mean, Taylor Moore kind of snuck in there and did what he needed to do. Look, he had a great back nine, um, posted posted a number, and that's sometimes the best way to try to get a win is, is you know, you, you beat everybody else to a number, and then now the pressure's on them, and, and frankly, you know, Spieth and Fleetwood and Shank weren't, weren't able weren't able to step up. I mean, it, it looked for a good part of the last 90 minutes that it was going to be either Spieth or Shank. They were, around the 14th hole, they were battling it out. They were tied. Um, they were tied through 15, and then Jordan hit it in the water on 16, and Shank also bogeyed the hole. You know, and meanwhile, up ahead. Moore had made birdie on that hole to get to 10 under and somehow managed to get it in. Like, he made a great par on 17, he parred 18, boosted 10 under, and now those guys had to get to 10. And, uh, of course, Jordan had a great opportunity on the 17th. Right. That hole, that hole only had two birdies all day, and he knocked it in there to six feet, which was the hard part, and then he missed the putt. Yeah. You know, and if he makes that putt, he's tied. And then I think 18, he plays differently. You know, 18's not a birdie hole, really, either. And he was just, he had to make birdie to tie. And he didn't have a great lie out of the rough. You know, maybe he hits a different club off the tee to make sure he gets it in play. Um, so, you know, kind of an opportunity to miss there for Jordan. I mean, you know, those guys are the ones that are, are shaking, shaking through the idea of trying to get their first win against him. Right. And, you know, he's the one who blinked. He blinked twice. Now, it was a great bogey on 16 after he hit it in the water. Um, he was the, – the shot was so bad that he cleared basically no land. If you know the 16th, it's kind of a dog leg right. It's got a big lake on the right, and there's a lot of room out to the left. And he hit it right into the water, which meant he had a drop at the very back of the pond. It meant that he still had about 325 yards left. Uh, on the hole, like he did, obviously what couldn't go for the green, so he kind of had to lay up, and then knocked that one on and made the putt. It was a great five. Yeah, all world um, bogey, fourteen yeah, footer. You know, yeah, and it kept him in it, you know, and it gave him that chance on seventeen. So like, it's hard to knock him, really. It's hard to rip him, but but yet you sort of feel like um, the tournament was there if he's if he doesn't hit the ball in the water there, and he talked about not being comfortable with the tee shot and and uh, didn't want to didn't want to play away from what he thought he needed to do, which is all fine and good, but the bottom line is is by doing that, you know, he wasn't able to execute and it cost him.
he thought it was just uh, himself and Adam coming down the stretch. He admitted that uh, Moore's run sort of came out of the blue. That's right, and, and you know, he did. That's why, you know, Moore kind of snuck in there on them. I mean, he was only two shots back to start the day, and he kind of was treading water on the front side. And then he didn't make a bogey on the back, and he made, I think he made four birdies on the back, you know, and he just kind of, you know, he he crept up in there, and then the birdie on 16 is so unexpected, and now he's boom, he's at 10 under. And all those guys are, you know, grinding a hole or two behind him and, and not recognize, realizing, oh, my God, you know, it's not just us. So um, uh, it's, it's, it, it's in terms of Jordan, I, I, it's hard to – figure out like if this is good or bad you know it's two weeks out of the last three where he was right there on the back nine yeah i mean that's good but yet you gotta close the deal yeah he had chances that that you sit there and you say you know you didn't you didn't you didn't get it done when you had the chance you know when when you have it when you when you have putts inside of 10 feet that's your opportunity you know and i'm not saying like you're gonna always make them but you usually have to make them to win. I asked several of the players at the players whether they watch the scoreboard. And Jordan was one that said he doesn't because he said it's not going to impact the way I'm going to play. Now, interestingly, it was Rory who had said at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, if he'd seen the scoreboard, uh, which which he saw after he played 14, he would have he would have played it differently. So it's it's fascinating to me how these guys uh, do or don't watch the boards. I'm always amazed when somebody says that they don't look. I mean, how does it not impact how you play? If you have a three shot lead, if Jordan has a three shot lead on that 16th tee. He's not going to try to take – he's not going to hit a shot where he says, I'm going to trust it. Right. You know, if he doesn't feel good about it. He's going to hit – he's going to figure out a way to get the ball on dry land, which is plenty of easy – it's plenty easy enough to do. He could have you, – you, you might have to hit less club and you're – but, you know, you, you take the – clearly you can still make a bogey doing that. But, you know, he, he made a fortunate bogey. When you hit it in the water, you're pretty much bringing six into play. If you, t- if you don't do that, you still have a great chance to make four. He had no chance to make four. So um, I'm always amazed when guys say that. You know, it's not going to change the way I play. Well, how really, how could it not? I mean, like, there's different strategy if you're behind and you need to make birdies as opposed to I can get it in with pars or, or I can really be careful here. You know, sort of like Scotty Scheffler at the players. He had that big lead coming down the stretch like there's no need to be silly about the way you play the 16th hole um obviously 17 you got to just hit the green you saw what he did on 18 he bailed out way to the right of course he's going to do that why would you make take a chance of hitting it in the water he could make a six on the hole and still win so it is always a little interesting to me when guys say that i mean um you know i, I think part of it is they don't you know, they, they can sense where they are, and they don't want to change their strategy too much. They don't want to lose their aggressiveness. They don't want to play scared. I get that part of it. But yet, you can, you can still not play scared and know where you stand. 
So we move on to the WGC match play. Gotta love it. There were some interesting upsets yesterday. Give me your impressions of what happened in day one. Yeah, you know the the um, the match play is is sort of we shouldn't really call them upsets. I don't think. Um, because this is just the nature of it. There's such a fine line between the first and 64th or 68th golfer, you know, and especially 18 holes match play. Uh, so, like, to me, it's not really a surprise that Ricky Fowler beat John Rahm. Um, now, if they were to play today, Rahm might trounce him. You know, it's just kind of the nature of it. And... Um, yeah, we had some we had some interesting results. I mean, Keegan Bradley was four down through 13 holes, and he somehow tied it. Rory seemed to win fairly easily. Um, Kisner and Horschel, who have done so well in this event, Kisner lost, Horschel tied. Um, you know, there's just all range of things that have occurred, and you know, the fact that they're not out of it is what takes the sting. Out of a out of a first game, right? Loss. Used to be sudden death. Yeah, I'm not sure. You know, I, I look. I was I was always one who thought the event suffered because you lost so many stars on day one, and that was the drama. And so I kind of welcomed it when they changed the format. But I'm also the first to admit I'm not sure the format works. Um, it's just, you know, like. I don't know. Sometimes it's hard to follow. On Friday's anticlimactic for about a third of the matches. Like, like neither guy is. Usually, there's there's always at least, you know, what six, eight, ten matches where neither guy is going to advance, and they know it. You know, so they're just playing it out. I guess that's no different than a guy who's way back on a Friday trying to make a cut and knows he has no chance. You know, it keeps it keeps him around for three days. Um, so, and of course, you know, this is the last one. I mean, the, the, the match play is not returning to Austin Country Club next year. Well, it's great for this tournament. It's a great match play course and it's not returning. And, and there's, there's, you know, there's probably not going to be a match play event at all on the schedule next year. Um, the, the WGCs are, are going history. to be history yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, to replace by designated events and and um, you know an idea that that had a lot of merit for a long time is kind of quickly suddenly passed you know I mean you could see the handwriting on the wall when last year we lost two of them just sort of overnight I mean the tour decided to make the FedEx event which had moved from Firestone moved to Memphis, they decided to take it over, then FedEx decided they wanted to be part of the playoffs. So now they move into the playoffs and they don't replace it. And the Mexico event got just replaced by a regular tour event. So I don't know, COVID had something to do with all of this, I'm sure. The lack of a sponsor had, and I just think it's, it's sort of run its course, you know. They've shifted now this idea of the designated events, and you don't really need world golf events, except you know, where they miss out here is these world golf events always had players from around the world. You know, the match right. play was based on world ranking, but the others always had spots based on 
the various tours around the world. And that's now the designated events are not going to be that. They are going to be for tour members only. And uh, so this idea of expanding around the world has suddenly turned into being a very domestic tour again. Uh, some of the other breaking news last week was about the um, USGA's and the RNA's decision to roll back the ball. Rory's had, had some interesting comments this week about that. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Rory's bucking the trend. I mean, there are not too many players supporting this. Um, you know, I happen to think that the players are a little bit narrow-minded on it. I I get all the arguments. It's a tough issue. It really is. But, you know, um, like, God love them. JT's answer is, is let's grow more rough and, and and you know, narrow the fairways and make the greens faster and harder. And I'm like, you know, from my standpoint, I'm not sure that's a great idea. You know, that, that – do we want chip out rough? Do we want greens where they're so defensive that it takes forever to play? Um, do we want to keep lengthening holes? I mean, look at what Augusta just did. Right. They had 35 yards in the 13th hole. That's a very controversial decision. Uh, surprising to me, they didn't leave the old tee. So now you've got a hole that, you know, it might not be as exciting. You know, it's because they, there's, you know, the, the ball is going so far that they've, they've rendered the hole not to be a, 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 you know, a staunch par five. And so they moved the tee back to where now maybe it's going to be a three-shot hole for most guys. You know, if the ball had been reined in a little bit, maybe they don't move the tee and maybe it's still a, a, a really good par five you know, for everyone. So I don't know. We have to see on that. But it's a tough issue. You can't keep lengthening golf courses. I mean, look at what Augusta's done. Look at all the land they've bought up. They, You know, they, they moved a road to be able to move the tee back on right. this hole. I mean, who can yeah. do that? You know, they, they actually, you know, fronted the city of Augusta, you know, alone so that they could move Berkman's Road. You know, and it's gone now. They own the property. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, it's stunning what they have done. And they have the resources. Most places don't. And then you throw in just, you know, the idea of how much more money it costs to maintain a longer course and, you know, the watering and the upkeep. And, you know, at some point I realize it's such a, their argument is it's such a small segment of the golf population that can hit the ball this far. That's true. You know, and that's why the, this wouldn't be affect you or me. They wouldn't be changing it for us. But you know, do you do you ever want to see a day where he couldn't play the open at the old course? You know, like the the, the course already has four or five tees that are outside of its true boundaries. You know, like they've actually found land that is not really on the property. It's sort of comical that you know, in theory, the tee box is out of bounds. Obviously, they've had to change that. But, like, you know, like where the course boundary is, is they've moved beyond it. I mean, they can't, there's, there's, no much, there's no more room to keep doing that, you know. And, you know, do we want the winner of the Open to be 22 under? You know, I mean, that's what's going to happen. I mean, look how many par fours are drivable there now. So, um it's yeah, you've got, yeah, you've yeah, got, it really is. Yeah, you've got this confluence of the 
athleticism now of golfers, the equipment, and nature. And one of them can't be moved very well. Exactly. So, also speaking of changes at Augusta, uh, Scotty Scheffler, who made an emotional return last week, first time visit since his victory last year, he also spoke about the changes to the par four number 11, said that there are fewer trees down the right side, Bob. How, how's that hole going to set up now? Yeah, you know, they've already began that process of kind of weeding that out a little bit. That happened a little bit last year, and now it happened a little bit more. I think that the the tree planting on 11 was a huge overreaction to what went on in the game. The tees all the way, you know, the tees, it's a 505-yard hole, par four. Um, but, you know, back in the day when Tiger was winning it in the early 2000s, he was hitting driver nine iron, driver sandwich. And they were just like, that, Freaked out. we can't have that. You know, I mean, the ball would just, you know, pound down that hill. Well, now, you know, they put some stuff over on the right to, dis- to discourage that, but they also moved the tee back. And, you know, it's traditionally playing as one of the hardest holes on the course. That's fine. But, like, you know, uh, in 19, Tiger somehow found the green from those right trees. It was a huge break, you know, that he was able to have a, a, a shot at the green and actually almost made birdie in the final round. Now there, there's a little bit more room over there. Anyone who's had the chance to go to Augusta, just the, the contours, the slopes, the elevations uh, that you just don't see on TV. So all of that plays into uh what we're talking about. No doubt. Scotty Scheffler revealing his Masters Champion dinner last week and said uh, it's definitely not going to be on any nutritionist plan, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) It sounded pretty good to me, actually. Uh, Yeah. I served this up at the Golf Writers Dinner on Wednesday night. We're talking some uh, Texas ribeye steaks, some sliders, fried shrimp, um, I don't know, maybe even some mac and cheese, because I think that's one of uh, he and his wife's favorite dishes as well. Yeah, no, I think it sounds great. So good for him for revealing it. <laughs> All right, so as we come down the, the last couple of weeks here to the first major, anybody you have on your radar as an early pick? You know, I've, I've sort of been in the Rory camp all along. I sort of feel like... Um, you know, he's due. And um, these little glitches here lately might be good. Get him, you know, missing the cut at the players. It sounds like he's trying to figure something out with his driver, put a new putter in the bag. That might not sound like a good idea so close, but I but I think maybe it, it just gets you a little bit more focused in. Uh, he went to Augusta this week, or last week, I mean, uh, and, and seemed to – Seemed to fare fairly well there. Did a good job there. So, um, you know, I think that bodes well for him. I don't think it really matters how he does this week. Um, this week is, you know, kind of a, you know, a, a, it's sort of a crapshoot, like, as to, as to base, being able to determine your form. So I kind of like him. Um, I think Rom is very intriguing. He's had a little bit of a, you know, of a hiccup here lately, but, but, He's played so well all year, 
you know, one bad tournament at Bay Hill. Then he got sick at the players. It wasn't like he was playing awful there. Uh, the wild card to me is Cam Smith. Um, mm, wow. Mm-hmm. As the guy coming off winning the Open and given his success last year, and the, given the fact that he's been in contention a couple times at Augusta, he should be an obvious pick. But given that he's done nothing so far and played so little competitive golf this year, it's really a it's really a, a kind of a you know a mystery. Um, he missed the cut at the Saudi International. He's played six rounds on live and not done very well. He's got three more next week. So what, it's going to be eleven competitive rounds. You know, Scheffler will have played what thirty. You know. Um, you know, Rom, Rory, all these guys. I mean, you know, just because you play a lot doesn't mean you're going to win. But it just does seem like a small sample size uh, and and obviously not with the same level of competition or, or, or difficulty of golf course. So, I mean, I'm very, very curious to see how he, how he fares. Same with, like, Dustin Johnson, who hasn't done much this year yet. You know, these are him, DJ, uh, Kepka, Brooke, uh, Bryson's been awful so far. Um, those three guys are the live guys. Maybe Joaquin Neiman. Those are the guys that you would think would be competitive. And, you know, it's a big mystery right now. Yeah, and it, in some respects you could say they might be coming in uh, with a lot less pressure on them. Uh, however, as you say that, to me, that might give Rory a little extra juice because uh, just the thought of uh, Scotty putting the green jacket on a live player, that's some interesting drama in itself. Sure is, yeah. You know, um, there's how the pairings come out is going to be really interesting, too. I mean, who do they put these live guys with? Um I don't think Augusta is about any kind of drama whatsoever. They want to tamp that down. So we're not going to see Tiger and Phil. We're not. I, I just, you just, I can't imagine it. I mean, we're not going to see Rory and Reed. You know, the the live guys I think are going to be paired with the the, the tamest PGA Tour players or the younger players like the amateurs. Or, or maybe even some of the older guys, you know, like in a lava ball or a longer, you know, those guys. I just can't imagine that they're going to <laughs> put them with, you know, um, they, maybe they're, 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 they're going to have no choice in some cases. They're going to have to put, put them with some mainstream PJ Tour players. But I just don't think you're going to see them with Rom, Scheffler. Well, Scheffler, of course, is going to get grouped with the USAM winner anyway. Um, but you just I just don't see that happening. Well it'd be we, fun though. We're gonna get to we're gonna get to see them all up close and personal, Bob, as all the live players come to Orlando next week to play Orange County National for all my Central Florida listeners. Uh, you'll have a chance to see where their games are truly at as we round the corner for the Magnolias, the Azaleas, that beautiful Augusta theme music, and uh, the first major of the year. 
All right, Bob, before I let you go, throw your dart. Who's uh, winning the WGC Sunday? Well, you know, I I had picked Horschel going in, um, and uh, I'm not so sure about that right now, given a, given a day in. Um, but, uh, you know, like, look, Ricky, why not? He needs to get into the top eight to be able to – Get to the Masters. Got a good, you know. He, he, you know, he took care of business uh, against Rom. Probably the hardest one. I believe he's got what Keith Mitchell and Horschel still maybe um, in, in, in his group. So um, Keith, look, neither guy is going to be easy. But Horschel's not been playing great this year. Obviously, you got to get out of the group first. So today's a big day for Ricky. If he could win today, you know. Puts them in great in great shape. That would be a very very popular win. So we will stay tuned. And as always, we appreciate your time, Bob Herrig from SI.com. Thanks, Bob.